Konnichiwa. And hey, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo Kaboom, where we talk about all things sumo. That's right. And today we are going to discuss Jake Book and the Hakaho Cup. Yeah, Jake Book of Ohio Sumo. Yes. He started a youth sumo program. So we're going to chat with him. Yeah, which means... We're talking about kids in sumo. What's so great about kids doing sumo? Where can kids do sumo? And what is the Hakaho Cup? But first, I want you to know that I happened upon a video of Tara Nafuji working out and bench pressing 1,400 pounds. Did you see that one? Was it 1,400 pounds? I thought it was 400 pounds. No, no. 14, well, bench pressing 400, but oh, I might have said it wrong. Leg. I'm like. Leg pressing. That's 1,400. A, are you sure that number yeah. is correct? That's, well, yeah, that's what it said in the video. Is that kilos? It's cra- no, mean, no, it's pounds. It's a crazy <laughs> amount of weight. you know I am with like kilos to pounds conversions? No, wait. I still don't. That's a, that's a small know, car. That's I a know. small, reasonable. Yeah. That's a Honda Fit Sport. I know. 2013. I'm, I've never seen he so much that. weight on a leg press thing in my life. Never. I did catch some of this video. You, just because you, yeah, I was amazing, like, isn't it? I just like to see him in regular people clothes. Well, yeah. <laughs> hanging out in the gym. Like, yeah. <laughs> gym shorts on yeah. his muscle shirt. I was like, there's a real dude there. I don't know why, but then this is like the real guy. Yeah. And you know, he beatboxes. So it's like, he just yeah. looked cool. Yeah. And I was in like, his shorts and his But I like, missed the shoes. bench pressing or whatever was 1400. Le- yeah. Leg press. Yeah, crazy, crazy. The guy is horripped, horripped. Is that a new word? (laughs) Yes, put a ha in front of everything. Like chutzpah? Chutzpah. Like so in halav with somebody who's horripped like that. All right. Well, it's been coined. You have to pay us. What is that? Uh, Not a finder's fee. What is that called? Yeah, Uh, pay us rights. Residuals, residuals, (laughs) or a finder's fee, whatever you want. Anyway. But first, before we get into kids and sumo, news flash. If you happen to be under a rock and completely missed it, Tenna Fuji became an Ozeki. You mean this man that is ripped? Yes. <laughs> I worked so hard trying to find that synthesizer music that accompanies the poster reveal yeah. at the Kokogikan, I still can't find it. But this is the best I can do. I hope you guys feel like you experience the aural version of him becoming an Ozeki with mm-hmm. that synth that we figured out how to play on the Casio keyboard upstairs. Here's some interview questions that he took. These are like loosely translated, so forgive me. The question was asked, what are some of the factors behind your comeback? And he said, I'm just somebody who likes doing sumo and I love sumo now, like even more than ever. So I think that's really sweet to hear. I mean, obviously he loves sumo, but there must have been something in his second Ozeki run that really was different. And I think part of that is like really appreciating your journey along the way that maybe the first time through, maybe he didn't. Yeah. I don't know, though. I might be just making up thoughts in Ted and Fuji's brain. 
So then he was asked, what about next? And he said, my feelings are about the same kind of as last time because I I do aim to go higher, meaning Yokozuna. Mm-hmm. And he said he, he consulted with his master and his mother, partly because they are, uh, you know, part of his decision process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also should be noted, he is the second wrestler since 1977 to fall as low as he did and make it back up to Ozeki. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it There's is. kind of just only been one other guy, and it was some guy in 1977. What did his mom say, I wonder? I have no idea. I imagine she was like, I'm so proud of you. We can just imagine this all day. I imagine- <laughs> They don't interview her. I imagine she said, oh, Teru, my little Teru, Teru boy, <laughs> you- You did me so proud. Your, yeah, you set your sights as high as you want them, because you can do anything you want. That's right. That's right. I imagine that's what she said. Yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. It'd be horrible if she was, like, not a supportive mother. <laughs> We're going to imagine her as the most supportive mother in the world. All right. The July Basho will be moving ahead in Nagoya in July with precautionary measures. So that will hopefully go off without a hitch because the Olympics is at the same time and the Koko Gikan is being used for boxing, which I kind of thought was fun. It'll be interesting oh. to watch boxing in the Koko Gikan, which I only associate with sumo. Yeah. So they are going to head on down or over or up. I can't remember where Nagoya is and do the tournament there. But they'll have 3,800 fans, which is half capacity again. Okay. Ariso got his graduate school of sports sciences diploma from Waseda University. And he apparently just aced his thesis paper. Now, I don't know if that was favoritism because they were like, we have a Yokozuna in here. Let's just give him the best grade in the class. But it was about new sumo room management. So I think that tells us obviously where we knew he was going next, which is into running a stable. Mm -hmm. But he's really serious about it. And he aced his exam. So congratulations, Araiso. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're listening. And I guess that is is it. We had the privilege of speaking with Jake Book, a sumo wrestler in his own right here in the U.S., but he also is a passionate sumo club organizer, and as of late, he has gotten a youth sumo program up and going. Here is a snippet of our interview with him about sumo and why he wanted to start a sumo youth club. So I got into sumo was like 98, 99, 2000, somewhere in that three-year period. I was visiting my grandparents and I was watching ESPN, World, like World of Sports, or I, I can't remember what it was, but it was like they would show sumo highlights. And the, the highlights, I remember they were like very Americanized, like the, the commentators were like, like I've watched them, I've watched them on YouTube now. And I'm like, man, these people didn't know anything about sumo or hardly yeah. anything about sumo. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it's weird to watch it now knowing what I know. But yeah, I was watching it. And uh the wrestler that I remember the most was Misashi Maru. And I just thought like, man, there's like this big guy and he's just really powerful. And I just really thought he was awesome. So to this day, like he's kind of my favorite because he, he's the one who I remembered as a kid. And then, um, you know, it was the late nineties. So like I was born in 90, so I was like nine (laughs) and I couldn't really, there wasn't like internet to like follow up, you know, on sumo and follow up on the interest. So I just sort of forgot about it. So fast forward about 10 years and I, I had just gotten married and we were living in Kentucky and I was watching uh, something on TV and there was a commercial 
and it was about it was like a I, my recollection was that it was it had like a car it had something to do with a car but there was a sumo wrestler in this commercial like it was it the subaru one it might have been the subaru one yeah i was like oh man i remember like watching sumo as a kid i i think that would be cool then we're back in iowa and i'm i'm trying to find more out find find more stuff about sumo and um i found jason's sumo channel he was like the only guy at that time that was you know streaming anything to do with with sumo and uh in english so anyway that was i watched the first tournament i ever watched and followed every single day was uh november 2009 and since then i've never missed a <laughs> i've never missed a tournament <laughs> and so um so also during that time like in 2009 like the beginning of 2010 I'm the type of person that if I see something, I want to try it. Like, I want to do it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I want to do that. So early 2010, I called a friend of mine. I was like, hey, I said, why don't, why don't we sumo wrestle? Like, would you come over and like, we, <laughs> and he was like, he was like, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so so we like, yeah. we're literally like out in the park in March in Iowa and it's like cold. cold. <laughs> and uh, it was the worst kind of sumo you've ever seen. It was not really, it was something like sumo, but it, it definitely wasn't sumo. So we started that and then I didn't know anything about amateur sumo in the US. I had no idea, but I was just sort of like, well, I'm going to start doing this. Like, so we did that for like, I don't know, probably about a year and a half. So then, you know, for everything to, that's happened in the last, you know, two years has been sort of in insane. <laughs> Which is? I was uh, continuing to follow sumo and being, you know, being very into it. And I, um, by this point, I knew about the amateur sumo scene and the federation and that kind of stuff. And so I bought a Mawashi. You know, I had nobody here to train with. I had no idea. I had no no partners, no anything. I was just going to try to do it on my own and maybe travel to some competitions. And uh, oh. I posted on one of the sumo groups. I don't remember which one now, but I just said, is there anybody in Cincinnati area that would be interested in wrestling? You know, I had noticed at that point that like sumo, the sumo groups had blown up, you know, more beyond anything I had really known. I was just kind of following it myself and not doing much online. And so there was about four of us and and uh, so we had practice and we went out and got some uh, some Chonko at this local establishment. It was a really nice first time. And then from there, uh, we went from that to now fast forward. We've got probably like 12 to 15, you know, guys that show up for practice and uh, drive from from all over. We're really the first presence of sumo that I'm aware of in this, in the kind of Midwest, you know, obviously there's been like, as far as like a, a club that meets every week and like does, you know, what we do. I, I don't know of any, if there are, or if there was, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully somebody reach out to me, but it's just been wild. I, I never in my wildest dreams would have, would have thought that we would have grown so much. It's been really incredible. And now you know, now sumo is just such a big part of my everyday life now, you know, and in ways I didn't think it would be so. So that's working with adults. When did you add kids to the mix? So, so that really just kind of started. We had our first youth practice and, and so we had 19 kids there. We couldn't believe, you know, the turnout was that much. And we've, 
we've had a really good relationship with the the gym that we're at right now the guy that runs that his name's adam gomez and he's a like a jujitsu guy and uh but he really is excited about sumo and having sumo at his gym and so basically what it was was he told me i'll send out an email to all the parents of my jujitsu kids and we'll see if we can't get them interested in sumo and so he did and they just yeah we went out and bought two 20 yard like rolls of like heavy cotton like my wife like cut out mawashis for like <laughs> all afternoon and we're just like making mawashis and her and i folded them all up and like rolled them and so we had this big box of mawashis and uh the kids would come through the door it was really cute because we had a uh, we had our adult practice going on like as some of the kids were getting there and i remember the first kid got there and he walked in and his dad and he's like standing at the edge of the, you know, up against the wall. And I kind of walk over and I'm like, hi, you know, and introduce myself. And right at that time, like two of our guys, the Biggs brothers, Nick and, and Dylan Biggs, they're having a match and they're just whooping up on each other. I mean, just going at it. And uh, the kid is standing there and his eyes are like as big as saucers. And he's like, he like looks up at his dad and he's like, dad um i think i just want to watch today (laughs) he thought he was gonna have to go in there and like (laughs) and and his dad was like no no like you're not gonna fight these guys there's other kids coming he was not having it and then like by the time the other kids started showing up he was a lot more comfortable because he knew you know they were all his buddies and stuff but all these kids like just start showing up and like we're just furiously like putting mawashis on them and like sending them over to like start working out a little bit and getting stretched out. And so, yeah, we, we did basically, they all got ready and like, we, we put them all through the drills and we taught them Shiko and, and Suryashi and sliding their feet and uh, Butsukari. And, uh, and then we just let them have some matches and, and see what, you know, see how they felt about that. And, and they did really, you know, they did really great. And we sent them home with packs of sumo cards. Basically I was like, go home, you know, whichever wrestlers you get, like, do some homework on those wrestlers and like come back and tell me what you found out. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're trying to do our best. And the only way that sumo in the U S is going to become as competitive as we can be on the international level is if kids start doing sumo when they're young, if people start doing sumo when they're young, instead of getting into it when they're 25, if sumo is their primary martial art, when they're 10, 11, 12 years old, and they do that up until they're 20. Well, now they've already got 10 years of experience. And then when the when the real competition comes along, you know, they're going to have just that much more of an edge. You know, we already see stuff like that in Russia and Ukraine. And like, they've got kids that are doing sumo. We're only shooting ourselves in the foot if we don't start developing, you know, young athletes. Is there another youth program? Or are you kind of the first? So there's obviously youth programs in Hawaii have always had kids in sumo for years. If we stick with it and it continues on, we'll be the very first one to really make it happen. And we've gotten a lot of great support. You know, Ed, Ed uh, Shusevsky, the the president of the USSF is just super excited. And the first kids sumo club on the mainland, that's where you think you might be. Yeah, that's where we're hoping we might be. Yeah, is that we'll be kind of the first ones to get it off the ground. And, you know, I, I want to beyond just like trying to be an athlete, I feel like the best thing I can do and the best thing that a lot of us can do is contribute to the longevity of this sport in the US, you know, 
I just want to take what John started and like what these other great people in the sport started and like do my part, <laughs> you know, to, to make it go forward. So that's what we're trying to do. That's the whole mission. And obviously, you know, hopefully someday take that gold medal back from the Russians and the Ukrainians <laughs> uh, someday. Yes. So right now there's no tournaments for kids in the U S anywhere that we, yeah, have. there's, there's none. Yeah. Okay. So that's something that could be built in the future. That's yeah. Really that's, cool. that's yeah, something I mean, we're definitely planning. I know the, the gym that we're at, he has said, once we have the club established and we know what kids we've got and everything, maybe sometime this summer, he wants to sponsor like a kid's tournament. And so that would be open to anybody, any kids from around the country that wanted to come and compete. You know, you have the kids come in Friday evening, have a session, you know, the next day, have a morning session on Saturday and then an evening session on Saturday and then wrap it all up. And the other thing too, that is something that John talks about with me is like having like exchange things where, where it's like, Hey, we're going to take, we're going to take a group of kids to Hawaii and we're going to train with Kenna's kids, you know, and then yeah. like those kids come here. And so there's a lot of travel opportunities, like parents, when you realize that sumo is like international and like they could make friends all over the world through this sport, you know, and, and really have a diverse, yeah, just a diverse knowledge, you know, and, and that's something that when I was a kid, you know, my, my grandma was like a world traveler and uh, she went all over, I mean, probably like 20 plus different countries in, in her travels over the years. And uh, one of her favorite places was like Southeast Asia. And, you know, I grew up with a healthy dose of like, be curious about other places and be curious about other cultures and learn about things. And, you know, so it's a great opportunity for kids to learn about another place, another culture, and then realize that like, Oh, this is something that, that people all over the world do. I, I just think it's a really great thing to be able to, to, you know, do that and, and have that knowledge, you know? So in your program, you've got boys and girls training girls, your yeah. youth sumo program have you heard from the kids like what sort of lessons are they walking away with what are they learning what do you feel like you're giving them so because of a few uh little hiccups we the that first session that we've had is the first one so we're we're trying to um our next one is going to be this coming weekend yeah it's it's something that i think you know girls can can get as much out of as as boys certainly can so all right you do this now you start now you know by the time you're 18 19 20 you know you're you could be you could be a top level you know female athlete in the u.s like for sumo i think that's awesome absolutely awesome what you're doing i i, I think people may underestimate what it takes you've consistently built an adult program and so that's exciting plus adding the kids onto into the mix. It shows like, to me, it's like, you've got the tenacity, you've got the willpower to make it happen. And I think we're going to see some amazing youth athletes come out of this in the future. <laughs> I really hope so. Yeah. And we've just been really fortunate. I, I don't know, you know, you talk about the consistency and yeah, like a lot of people come to come to a sport or they come to a hobby and they're like, Oh, this is really cool. And they'll go after it for a little while. And then it fizzles out at some point. Um, and we've certainly had, a, you know, a handful of people that that's been the case, but we really built a core group of guys that just absolutely, I mean, it, this is just such a big part of their life now, you know, and, and for some guys, the club is their, almost like their support system. Like we, we try to foster that it is a family, like Ohio Sumo is a family. And I think people who aren't 
as keen on that kind of like weed themselves out once you've kind of joined and you're you're coming consistently and like you are part of the family and so you yeah we just try to take care of everybody and make sure everybody's you know got what they need so that they can be successful in the ring and do what they love so <laughs> you know by the way um before we wrap up i just want to make sure that like you have a podcast and i want to tell our our listeners about your podcast how people can find you how people can get involved in your club um how they can connect up with you to make um make more connections for you and especially if they've got kids sure. that are in your area that might want to come to um a practice a kick up yeah yeah so um you can the the easiest way uh, to contact us. Um, of course we have a Facebook page, Ohio Sumo Association. Um, you can find everything there. You can find, uh, us on Instagram. That's probably where most of the content gets posted. And then the podcast it's on, it's Ohio Sumo podcast. You can find that on, you know, Apple podcasts or wherever, whatever platform you, you know, Spotify. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if you reach out to one of those two places, Instagram or Facebook, you'll get a hold of somebody. So is there anything that we missed that you want to cover right here at the end? You want to make sure it gets out there? I don't know if you're listening to, if you're listening to Sumo Kaboom, which is a great podcast, by the way. I really enjoy what you guys do, and 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 it's it's really fun. I if you're listening to, to Sumo Kaboom and you have kids that want to sumo wrestle anywhere, like you could do this too. Make your kid a mawashi, and if you have multiple kids, make them mawashis and send them out into the backyard, and you know get the garden hose and make a ring and let them sumo wrestle. You know this is you know this is how we're gonna grow the sport. Watch some video, you know, watch a few videos get them in there and like let them play around and and have some fun and and then see what you know if they want to pursue it if you do have a club local to you say hey we've got some kids that want to do sumo yeah just kids sumo wrestling that needs to be regular thing yes it does agreed ah well thank you so much it has been such a pleasure to talk to you if you want to hear more of this fabulous interview head on over to our youtube channel because we have a 40 minute version make sure you follow him on instagram it's at ohio sumo and um yeah he's doing some really cool things okay the hakaho cup the hakaho cup is usually held in japan in february of each year but this year it was canceled because of covid i wanted to look into the hakaho cup because i you know i I knew it happened in February each year, but I didn't know that much about it. I didn't know its history. I didn't know where it came from. So that's what's coming at you next, okay? The roots of the Hakaho Cup or in the Asashoryu Cup. Did you know there was an Asashoryu no. Cup? I did not know this either. Okay, Asashoryu started this thing called the Asashoryu Cup. And he started it because at the time, there were all these Japanese youth sumo events, but nothing, absolutely nothing for kids outside of Japan. Oh. And Asashoryu was looking around thinking there should be a way that Mongolian kids can compete in these. He wanted to see a group of Mongolian boys at a youth sumo event. So he started one. He just flat out started one and called it the Asashoryu Cup. It's, it was one of those like, build it and they will come. Exactly. Events. It works. Yeah. So he held his Asashoryu Cup, the first one in 2009. He invited a team of Mongolian boys ages 8 to 12 who basically won all the prizes because well, of course, they were so good. And it was something that he really wanted to continue on his own, but he was forced 
and air quotes on forced, he was forced to retire soon thereafter. Asa Shoryu Okay. Okay. So once Asa Shoryu retired, Hakaho was the only Yokozuna left at the time. And so he picked up where Asa Shoryu left off. But he saw someone doing something fantastic yes. first. Yes. And maybe he just said, oh, now that you can't do it anymore, this is such a great idea. I'm going to continue it. Yes. Because I am still in the position to be able to do that. He started the Hakaho Cup in 2011. Currently, the Hakaho Cup is for boys from first to ninth grade. Mm. So that's a big range. That is a big Elementary range. school, junior high. Kids from Mongolia, Japan, but also way, way more countries from the USA, from Taiwan, Hong Kong, mainland China, South Korea. Mm. I mean, I could just keep going. Usually, it's it's kind of hard from across the ocean to figure out just how many boys are involved every year in this, but it's somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 boys. A huge number of boys descend into one place in Japan, and usually... It seems like there's about a third from outside Japan that come in for it and are part of this youth sumo event. The last event was in 2020. It's truly an annual affair. It would have happened this year in 2021 if it weren't for COVID. Okay. It seems to be a very popular event. It's free to attend. It's free to watch. If you want to go and watch all these kids wrestle, ex-wrestlers are often there. Current yeah, I saw a picture are of, there. Um, of uh, Harima Fuji and Araiso yep. and Hakaho from the yes. 2020. So they yes. all showed up. Many, many wrestlers show up to support these kids. Enho, Wakanahana. Wow. Like big names from I the past. I want to wrestle so that, okay. with the small children so that I may meet these people. Legends of Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll get myself a Mawashi. There you go. And join a youth sumo club. There you go. As the oldest member. Yeah. The event is just as you would expect. It's a ton of kids in Mawashis. Lots and lots of parents. Lots and lots of cameras. Some tears. Kids all over the place doing shiko and warming up and getting ready for their one shot. It does take place in the... Kokukikan, and it's elimination rounds, as far as I can tell. There's at least four elimination rounds, maybe more. It's okay. kind of hard to tell. I could probably make it to round four at least. I'm sure you could if you were maybe <laughs> wrestling the first graders. Uh, no, I could take on a pretty stout fourth grader for sure. Um, there's tons of trophies. There's tons of medals that the kids can win. It's really pretty awesome. And Hakaho stands up and he talks to them all about what he's learned and how he's become a Yokozuna. And of course, you know, part of that is eating your vegetables. Oh, he talks good. about eating your vegetables. He talks about winning in order to repay his elders and his coaches and his mentors. He talks a lot to these kids about doing Shiko faithfully, never ever missing a day of training and dedicating yourself to something bigger than you are. It's it's very, very cool. Like imagine all these kids standing around the doyo listening to Hakaho talk about what it's like. What it's like to be a Yokozuna. I'm trying to think of in our childhood what who that would have been i think for me it would have been dorothy hamill who was a, a ice skating legend who yeah. had like a bowl haircut if you're like younger than like 45 you may not remember 
her. But imagine, yeah, like 1,500 girls surrounding her, like all wearing ice skates and ice outfits. Yes. And like listening to her speak in the center of the ice about what it takes to be an Olympian. That's right. How I, awesome would have would that have been? I would have been a professional skater. For if me. I, I, if I had heard that. Yeah. For me, it would be like going to an event with Gene Kelly. Remember how I told you that story last night about Oh, I thought you were going to say Kelly. Wham. No, no, no. This would have been about <laughs> Gene. Well, Wham would have been amazing. I mean, if Meeting George, George Michael, Michael would have been and amazing. And Andrew Ridgely were like, this is how you become a pop star. Like, wouldn't that be almost well, better? Well, no. Gene Kelly would have been Gene better. Kelly? No. Gene Kelly would have been better because... You would get to dance for Gene Kelly. You can dance with William. Like, like you could like stand up there and be in an elimination dance round. And Gene Kelly would stand up and talk about what it takes to be a professional dancer in the movies. I would have absolutely yeah. loved that. Yeah, great. Absolutely. And but on top of that, like some recognizable names have come through the the Hakaho Cup, like Oh, no show. Kotunawaka. Really? They competed in the Hakaho Cup. So imagine you compete for this guy and then later in your career, you get to actually fight this guy. Oh, no show has fought Hakaho. Like imagine that that would be like for me being part of the Gene Kelly Cup and then getting to dance, dance with him with in him. some Hollywood musical. I would have lost it. I would have lost it and like cried. It would have been amazing. So it would have been like you skating with Dorothy Hamill at some point in the future. Right. That would be a great couple skate. Wouldn't too it? Bad it? Too bad it never happened. Yeah, but I know. if she had presented herself in a skating rink and yeah. offered me that opportunity, I probably would have the would Dorothy have been the, Hamill Cup. Yeah, I yeah. would have been Actually, on the hook. You know what would have been maybe even better than that is the Mark Hamill Cup, where oh, you get to Star like do Wars? Jedi training oh, and yeah. then he talks to you about what it's like to be a Jedi. Oh, this okay, that would have that would have been better, so amazing. Than so Dorothy you have like sorry Dorothy Hamill if you're listening. <laughs> you get to have lightsaber fights in yeah. front of Mark Hamill, yeah. and one Jedi goes home with the trophy. Yeah, that would have been yeah. idea, Mark Hamill. Have your Hamill cup, <laughs> okay? John Gunning. Wait, no, yeah. wait. I always get Scott Hamilton, who is a ice skater. Scott and Hamill. Mark- <laughs> no, wait. Scott Hamilton is the ice skater who always did the backflip. Yes. Dorothy Hamill, completely unrelated. <laughs> and she was also an ice skater. And then Mark, no, wait. Then Mark Hamill, yeah. no relation to Dorothy Hamill. Right. Of Star Wars. Uh-huh. <laughs> All relating back to Hawkeye. And our youth growing up in the 70s and 80s with a little bit of Gene Kelly in there. That's right. You practically got it. Okay, back to the Hakaho Cup. John Gunning actually wrote a really great article about the Hakaho Cup. There will be a link to that in our show notes. And he talked a lot about the Hakaho Cup probably being the longest lasting positive effect that Hakaho is going to have on the sport. Or it could be, could be looked upon as that. And there's a couple reasons for it. In Japan, there are other youth tournaments for kids in sumo, but not so for international sumo youngsters. So this is the only event that I'm aware of that gives kids from other countries an opportunity to fight with others and gain valuable sumo experience. Okay. And uh, like, I think of that like, oh, how sweet that he's having this little tournament and kids from all over the world can come over and do sumo. But it's not that small. It's bigger than that. Hakaho himself 
has invited international teams to come in and be a part of the tournament and has paid for their airfare and their accommodations while they're in Japan. So he he basically invites kids over and hosts them, pays pays for it so that they can have this experience. There's He's a, investing in the future. Yes. And I, I think it, that's wonderful because we have incredible wrestlers, Tochi Notion and, you know, people that are not from Japan that were sourced from out of Japan. Yeah. So why not try to build up other programs like in Russia and China and everywhere to have them come in, compete, because it's only going to make Japanese kids even better. Exactly. And let's say you come from a country where sumo isn't done very much. Right. Okay. Or maybe you know what it is, but it's kind of looked down upon. Hakaho paid for an Australian team of youth sumo kids to come over and be a part of the Hakaho Cup. And uh, the Australian Sumo Federation president, whose name is John, John Trail, Trial, I'm actually not sure how to say his last name. Trail said that bringing kids to Japan and getting them involved in real sumo really helped to overcome the embarrassment many of them felt, but it gets them focused on the sumo instead of what it looks like. And mm. that wouldn't happen in their own country. Right. It can so only they happen... kind of get bullied back in Australia, but in Japan, they're Maybe. like, oh, we're amongst a whole bunch of other kids who think this is the greatest thing and yeah. don't mind wearing a mawashi. And they... It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Yeah. They can see or, other kids enjoying and celebrating it. Or in 2019, there was a youth team that came from Hawaii that went to the Hakaho Cup. And when they went, they actually got a chance to train with Hakaho himself. Whoa. Yeah. And with other rikishi at the training stables. So they got to experience what the life of sumo is really like working in the rings that they work out in. And supposedly that Hawaiian team, that youth team has a real tight relationship with Musashimaru and he treats them like family whenever they come in. That's so, so cool. It's like, it's like an entry right into the professional world of sumo. Right through the Hakaho Cup and the Hakaho Cup connections right into that professional world that would just, that's unheard of. And Hakaho is not doing this for big dollars. There's not huge sponsorship dollars that he's are doing part it, of this. sounds like for the future of the sport. Yeah, he's doing it to pay back the sport that has given him everything. He's paying for teams to participate. It seems for him to be truly about the kids and developing more competitors for the sport from kids all over the world. So that's why it's so important to have people like Jake Book at Ohio Sumo Club who are trying to develop, you know, step-by-step, baby-steps kind of way, mm -hmm. but just to get kids interested. And I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, there's no reason why these kids that are working out with Jake Book can't go and be a part of the Hakaho Cup. That's so cool. Isn't it? That would be awesome to see. Yes. And one other thing. Well, two other things. The Hakaho Cup has done some fundraising for other charitable causes as well. So it's not only developing those kids, it's also raising funds for the Red Cross and things like that when needed. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's putting money into other people's pockets, um, that which I think it. is great. And I will, I do want to mention this. There's a video of Hakaho speaking at the 2020 Hakaho Cup. It's also mentioned in the John Gunning article, but Hakaho said, it came out of his own mouth, if the translation is correct, <laughs> that he planned on welcoming the first female competitors 
in the sumo world in what would have been the 2021 Hakaho Cup. So he said that he was looking forward to opening the ring to girls in sumo. Now that didn't happen because there was no 2021 event because of COVID, but that's really big. That's where he's headed with it. That's huge. It, yeah. And awesome. Now it ha- isn't it? Now talk about a long-term effect that that would have because if that's at the Kogugikan, that would be women setting foot on the doyo. So that would be ginormous if it comes to pass. So at this point it's just a lot of talk, but it did come out of his mouth. And it is headed in that direction. So I think it's fabulous. It would be a ginormous step forward for the sport. And I haven't heard anyone speak out against it, which is great. That's good. I yes. would love to see it. I just love to see the tournament no matter what. But that little added bonus would be quite magical. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Like to see a whole bunch of little girls fighting each other or fighting little boys. Well, in the there are world. girls everywhere. I mean, well, Jake mentioned it. Yeah. It's like... Why can't girls do all the things that boys can do? But actually being a part of this tournament would be the big change. That is so cool to hear. I hope, I hope, I hope by next year we have another Hakaho mm-hmm. Cup and it would be awesome to see girls there and just to see more and more kids take part in this awesome thing that really can change the future of sumo. Yeah. Ooh, and, and who we see in the ring next. Maybe minute. we could go. Oh, wouldn't that be cool if we could go to the Hakaho Cup? <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, my God. We'd be in the press box. I would totally interview a bunch of small children about sumo. Oh, I will me too. learn Japanese well enough to do that. Absolutely. That would be so cool. Oh, you want to talk about the coffee thing? Yeah. Hey, if you've listened to us this far and you'd like to support more work like this, more interviews, more boots on the ground, sumo reporting, more original jokes. Yeah. Consider <laughs> buying us a coffee. You can support what we do once with a small donation, just enough to buy us a cup of coffee, which then we would use to upgrade our actually we would actually probably use it to send out bookmarks to people for playing our bingo games. We would probably just reinvest it in, yeah, yeah. in more bingo and stuff. Yeah, but we would absolutely love it. Either a one-time donation or a monthly donation to keep us going. We just would love for you to be a bigger part of what we do here at our Sumo community. And we only bring this up because people have asked. Yeah. So yeah. we're giving you a good answer. And yeah. by the way, I do drink coffee. Laurie does not. I so, do chai. So if I did buy myself a coffee, it would be a, a dark roast, an organic <laughs> dark roast. <laughs> anyway, we welcome your feedback. We welcome your contributions. Details about that are in the details section of this episode or on our website. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your jokes, your notes of encouragement, your tweets, your questions. We absolutely love them. That's right. And we read them all. We do. So I think that's our style of sumo here at Sumo Kaboom. That's right. Listen up next week for more interesting sumo things. (laughs) That's right. Sayonara. See you later. Mm